Welcome to the Children Want to Talk podcast, where we have uncensored conversations, we exchange information, and we provide resources to all the viewers and the listeners. We are streaming on all of the major podcast platforms. You can also watch these episodes on Spotify, the free version, as well as our YouTube channel, which is called Penton Pending Consultant Solutions, LLC. I'm the Fire Medic CEO host, LP. We have our esteemed guest, the siblings in the building, Albert, Ashley, and Claire. We're going to be talking about trauma to triumph today. If you are triggered at any point during this podcast and you need help immediately, please call 911 here in the United States. If you are in the UK, you can call 999, call 143. There's some other numbers you can call because this is a worldwide podcast. If you don't need immediate help, we have numbers and resources for those that are dealing with substance abuse issues, AANA and Al-Anon. If you are suicidal, you know somebody that's suicidal, you can call toll-free 24-7-988. Again, 988. I want to welcome Mr. Albert to the microphone to lead today's conversation talking about trauma to triumph. Mike yours, sir. I appreciate it. It's always a wonderful opportunity to be here with you guys and have this conversation. I think the biggest key for me is that I've never kept things bottled up. We went through and the world kept turning afterwards. Um, I was actually healing and I didn't understand it at the time. Um, it really hasn't been until this calendar year that I've I've really been um, aggressive in sharing, if that's the right word, what my background is and, and what I've gone through. And it's it's been difficult. I have to pace myself at times because um, the book that I was working on, um, you know, when I when I share my background for like domestic violence training and stuff like that, so certainly soon I dissociate. I don't. It's almost as if I'm talking about someone else. Um, but when I wrote my book. Um, it was really difficult because I was staying in the moment, talking about feelings. There's a much deeper explanation of what was going on, much much more searching. Um, and it caused me to kind of live in the past to a certain extent for a while. And I actually took like a, I think I mentioned it here before, I took like a five-week break because my, my mind was really going into dark suicidal places and I, I didn't like that. Um, but um, when I look at other people who have gone through similar experiences and where I'm at right now, I realize I have done a tremendous amount of, of healing, and it's because I've unburdened myself as, as I go. We all know that disclosure is a process, but I've really begun to appreciate that healing is also a process. But that process of healing can't start until there's disclosure, and there must be trust to disclose. So that's what I talk about a lot of my presentations, is how to build connections with youth that have been traumatized um, or uh, survivors of domestic violence to build a connection, to make a safe place for them to speak about what they're going through so that they can start that process of healing. Um, I think on for the NASCA organization, the National Association of Adult Survivors of Child Abuse, so the average person that goes through like a background like ours is, is 42 before they get their life together because they may lose a decade or two to substance abuse. And then they get that under control only to realize that the cause was something that happened in the past. And so then they start that process of, of working through that much later. Um, and I think we are all fortunate in that, that we haven't gone really on down that road um, as far as like dealing with our past and, and, and burying it and, and dealing with the toxicity that results from it. Um, but through our conversation today, hopefully others will see the importance of starting that process of healing sooner, of unburdening, even if it's just a little bit. And even when I wasn't speaking, I've, I've wanted to write a book since I was in my early 20s. And so it's kind of like journaling. I've written stuff down uh, in Microsoft Word in the hopes that I turn it into a book. And, and the book that I wrote right now, I started from scratch because I didn't like what I wrote previously. But that journaling was uh, also, that uh, we're writing a book, it was, it was also a process of unburdening and taking, taking stuff off of my shoulders. So I'm not just leaking like locking it tight inside. It's kind of like uh, taking a soda can, shaking it up and putting it in a freezer, um, trying to hold in the trauma, trying to keep the abuser secret, and it's, it's really not healthy. But in that process of writing even younger, I was unburdening without even realizing it. But I do want to open up to, to you guys and see what you guys think as far as um, what you have used to take your trauma into something successful. Because, I mean, quite literally, that's what my career is. You know, I used to be a cop, but primarily now it's either, you know, as an attorney, as a guard of item or working for children's division or whatever I've done is for the most part combating abuse, neglect, and domestic violence. And it kind of turns my past um, into something purposeful um, because otherwise it was just a really horrible childhood and there was really nothing for me. So at least for me, that kind of makes sense of it. Like I went through those trials and tribulations so that I can prevent others from doing the same. 
But um, what are your guys' perspective on it? Well, um, for me personally, uh, having conversations, uh, especially with people who have gone through some similar things, had similar experiences, helps me out a lot uh, ever since we were separated from each other. Because um, I was, you know, I went into a group home. So there was a, a lot of opportunity for me to share with a lot of people who have had, um, you know, well, let's see, at the group home, there were about six girls at one time. So that's six different traumatic events, you know, six different traumatic, eh, I'm sorry, <laughs> six different people who've gone through traumatic events at one time or another. So, you know, sometimes it'd be group discussions, sometimes it would be one-on-one, but uh, I always felt a sense of being unburdened and relieved and also um, not alone that I had, uh, there were some other survivors in the world. So, um, you know, one of my senior projects was to create a, a peer therapy group, like a, a peer support group. So um, doing things like that, uh, and then all my life I've done um, work in the arts, so helping people release through the arts, whether it be music or visual arts or crafting, things like that, that has, that's always given me um, peace and pleasure, um, especially being a cosmetologist as well. Um, a lot of the times people come and they'll, sometimes they'll be quiet about it and you know, you won't, you won't know at first, but then they'll start speaking about things or they'll start uh, questioning, like over questioning certain things. And then sometimes you just have to like stop them in their tracks and just explain certain things just, uh, you know, to, uh, and then they start opening up. So there's, um, it's always been helpful for me even being someone to either encourage someone in their journey or and give someone that spark to even free themselves from a situation. So uh, being someone who has experience like that and then uh, utilizing that experience to uh, help somebody else, um, that's another thing for me. So those, those are, uh, those have been my mechanisms that have helped me out a whole lot along the way. Have you ever used art? Because I know you're artistic. Well, everyone is artistic here, but um, do you ever use drawing or painting as a medium for getting out or channeling some of the negative emotions of our past? Yeah, I mentioned visual art. So um, the book thing, I've always wanted to write a book. And one of the first things that I was thinking about um, that I can actually produce would be an art book because uh, it's, for me, it's just something that I can do kind of mindlessly, you know, somewhat, you know, without a whole lot of uh, digging, but things just come out, you know, subconsciously. So, uh, and then I have a whole, a lot of drawing and painting and different pieces of artwork that I can share. So, definitely. Yeah. I, I think that's kind of cool because um, that doesn't require another human being for us to write, to journal, to draw, to paint. And our canvas, whatever form it takes, has infinite capacity because I'm sure you guys have all had experiences where our childhood is traumatizing to others. Like me sharing the background, there are people that don't want to hear it. They can't face it. They don't want to see it. And so it becomes an issue. Uh, we're unable to unburden ourselves unless we have a canvas like that with infinite capacity. But I think it's really interesting that you you have really taken an artistic form to, to sharing and going through what we've, we've endured. Mine is more like actual words. And Ashley, I think you're kind of middle of the road between us, right? So, um, yes and no. Um, I've mainly, my focus has mainly been on the writing side. Um, I love doing sketches, um, 
no painting though but <laughs> but uh and it's been a while it's been a while since i've done sketches but i like doing just pencil or pen on paper um <clears throat> but the writing has definitely been major a major um outlet for forever just in any any form uh sometime when I've gone back and looked at some notes from years ago, it's it's total gibberish. Um, <laughs> but at the time, it was important to get those words out. And what I noticed is back when I first was writing, it was a lot darker than it is nowadays. Because I feel like I was, I was going through more back then, more... Um, more uh, events that were dysfunctional than than nowadays. Things are a little bit calmer, so my writing it has more of a direction than it used to. Um, it used to be, you know, just hot and cold, you know, um, and um, a lot of the times it would it would just be really. Uh, depressing, the the words coming out, just kind of hopeless writing. <laughs> um, but nowadays, you know, I, I can I can say, okay, well, I want to write about this topic or that topic or this, you know, this this particular event, and then I want to um, grow on that topic, and I want to focus in this direction. And I couldn't do that so much before. You know, it was just really all over the place. Um, before, but bes besides that, um, for me, some of my outlets, and I haven't, I mean, it's been, it's been close to a decade, but it's something that I really enjoyed doing was going to the prison. Um, so down the road, if I have that opportunity again, I want to go back into the prison because we would go there. Uh, about twice a month now the guy that I used to go with he he his his wife passed away not that long ago and he's really getting up there in age he would go out to uh, San Quentin and he would go to Vacaville I'd go with him to Vacaville not San Quentin because the security was a little worse at San Quentin and he'd he'd drive all the way out there some days and they wouldn't even let him in it just depended on how the staff was feeling that day but that was something that I really enjoyed doing. Um, and then, Albert, I agree with you um, how you say when you when you tell some people, sometimes it kind of freaks them out. Like, you know, I, I you know, I shared I had because I had to do a presentation in class um, a couple of weeks ago on bipolar. And I shared uh, some of the things that you brought up that both of you brought up that I didn't realize um, which was one of the one of the things that really freaked people out was how dad wanted to wanted us all to commit suicide or something yeah that that was really sh shocking for me because I don't I didn't remember that but then after you guys said it then I kind of started thinking about I do remember something mentioned like that um, but I, I mean, for until you guys mentioned that, that that was blocked. Like I couldn't I couldn't remember that at all. Um, but for me, one one thing, and I guess that's also kind of what made me change career path too. COVID had a lot to do with it. But going into interior design and some people love that field going into interior design it was in my experience in school nobody was my friend like you didn't you didn't have friends it was very clicky and then in the workforce it was the same way and you had this hierarchy and you know if they thought if they thought you were i don't know if they assumed you were better than them or had something different to offer, it wasn't a collaborative effort. Everything was com highly competitive and they would not hesitate to step on your toes. So 
that made me even before COVID, right before COVID, that made me question, did I really like what I was doing? And one thing I knew I liked was having those conferences with clients, just being able to sit down and talk to them. And that's the same thing that I had the opportunity to do going into the prisons or when as a church group, we'd go out to the convalescent home um, to be with the clients. Ironically, um, the same convalescent home that we used to go to now is a clinical site for some of my classmates. I didn't end up getting picked for that one. Um, but it was, it was just very interesting to know that they were going back into that same place where I had a friend there who was 102 years old and I used to sit with her. Um, but just being able to sit and talk with people, hear their stories. Um, yesterday I got to, she's, she was 80 and I got to listen to her story about her parents. And it was, you know, a lot of, a lot of the older crowd, some of their stories are really simple, um, but it's really meaningful. And, and I don't know how often somebody will sit there and spend 10, 15 minutes to hear her, her story. Um, so that was, that was a really, really uh, meaningful um, as well. So I'll be right back. So Claire, um, Ashley had mentioned something. I kind of want to throw it back to you. Um, like how her writing when she first started, um, she looks back and she doesn't know what she was writing or why she was writing it a certain way. Um, but to me, I think that's part of the process, like putting pen to paper or paintbrush to canvas just to start, just to be able to start getting stuff out. And you don't have to make sense of it. But it's a process that brings us forward to where we're at um, today and, and where we're at. So like for instance, some of the chapters that I wrote years ago, I didn't want to use in my current book. I just didn't like what I said or how I had to say it. But my frame of mind and my perspective on um, where I am in relation to what transpired has shifted. So like one of the chapters that I wrote when I was younger and worked on many times is, am I my father's monster? That was my biggest fear growing up, like early adulthood is, am I going to become my father? For the longest time, I felt like if I had a sip of alcohol, it's like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, I'd become my father. I was just deathly afraid of it. Um, and so there were a lot of the writings I had around it are kind of scary, and I don't like to read it. Um, but had I not started that process, I never would have got to where I'm at today. So um, what do you think about the evolution of the way that you are expelling that negative energy? So I think... Um when uh when ashley mentioned that in the beginning a lot of her stuff was uh all over the place i feel the opposite um i feel like we like one of the huge elements uh, in the way that we were raised was that everything was highly structured so for me it just seemed like anytime i tried to do something i would just adhere to the structure of something, uh, adhere to, um, you know, try to find the set format of everything. Um, so I think, um, like I really got into abstract art because a lot of that, there's, uh, there's a loose structure, like the format you know, it's more of a loose structure. So with that, I can be a little bit more free um, dance. Um, like, there's a bit more, you can be more uh, creative and openly expressive when it comes to dance. It's another art form that I absolutely love. Um, poetry, there's um, more ability to be more abstract as opposed to if you're writing an essay. But, um, or even a book, I'd say. So poetry and music writing are more of what I, I, I have gravitated towards. Um, I've tried to, because uh, me, I'll start something and it's not good enough for whatever reason and then I let it go before it's completed. And uh, the past two years, I've attempted to, um, like, really get into finishing more of the projects that I start. So, 
I would say like that's a big a big factor in my evolution is just trying to finish what I start even though maybe in my mind you know I feel like this is it's a piece of crap you know no one's going to want to pay attention to it um just still trying to get it out there um even if it's even if it's something that's been done before no one has done it the way I've done it you know some another creative told me that and I was like yeah yeah that makes sense um so I think um breaking free from structure that is so regimented that's a a big part of my evolution and just uh completing what i start so as far because i've tried a number of different things so trying things that that hasn't completely been um an issue for me but i think that imposter syndrome it's like a um, a bigger thing for me I kind of silently struggle with it yeah, and it, it makes sense that you say that that uh, you kind of flip things on the head from how ashley and i kind of view it and as far as us starting off early on and trying to uh gain organization but then the last part you're talking about as far as um nothing the product is never good enough my my struggle is that i probably could put it out but i keep holding on to it and holding on to it and holding on to it because i think it can still be better still be better so it probably was finished a long time ago but i keep at it keep at it keep at it when I could just let it go and probably be fine. And I also think the flag that's above your head behind you is perfect for what you just said as far as being abstract and, and, and everything. So, you know, LP, I haven't heard much from you today. I would love some of your insight as far as trauma to triumph. And then I'd like to pivot on, on what we view as what is triumph. Uh, but before we do that, um, do you have any thoughts on some of what um, we've shared? When I think about trauma to triumph, I think about how we as humans have the ultimate ability to persevere through pretty much anything that we put our mind to. Um, there's a lot of situations where, you know, trauma has taken people under. Um, growing up in the hood, there was a bar and a rap song where it said, the hood took me under. You know, growing up in poverty, uh, growing up in drug environments, um, the crack era. Uh, I keep looking at some of these uh, shows where they're talking about the crack era, the crack epidemic, and how, you know, the 80s just destroyed so many lives not just black people, but just people in general because of the drugs and, and then the opioid epidemic, which had been going on for decades. And so when I think about traumas to triumph, I think about how do we overcome some of these traumas, these adverse childhood experiences. Um, for me, I think you have to have a tenacity to survive and to overcome. You know, we all typically want better for ourselves. And all of us on here have children. I think about my children. I have six children with my ex-wife. And I thought about this title this past week because, you know, I just lost a friend of mine who I was doing a radio show with her. I was a frequent contributor and Albert had been on there also. And he has been a frequent contributor also. And I thought about how precious life is. You know, how do you overcome such a traumatic loss? You know, she leaves behind a, a husband and two sons. You know, how do you triumph over that trauma? How do you get past that? Because I would be, I would be devastated. I mean, I'm, I feel like I'm just keeping it together now. Uh, and, and this this past week and a half has just really been trying for me dealing with that loss. And so when I listen to you all and I listen to your stories and I listen to the shares and how, you know, Albert, everything that you've gone through to become a first responder, to become 
a legal eagle, as, as we call it, a lawyer. Uh, you know, Ashley, the work that you're doing in the medical field, in nursing, Claire, you know, salute to you being a veteran and the work that you're doing now. I was telling Mrs. LP the other day about this, this series that we're doing. And it was so funny because she just lost her brother now. Mrs. LP was adopted at birth and she's the oldest of six children. All six of her siblings were adopted. This brother of hers who just died and we were talking and she was really kind of going through it because she said the last time that they had a conversation they kind of had this back and forth disagree and you know it's that guilt trip oh man you know how you it's like i, I really strive to leave conversations on a positive note because you don't know if that's going to be the last time you, you talk to that person Added, I was thinking about the last time that we were on camera with Tiffany. I remember, now normally you guys see me with my work shirt on. That particular recording, I had an all black. I had a black polo on. I had this black suit jacket on. And I was like, damn, how prophetic was that? That was the last time that I saw her. <clears throat> when I listen to these stories, I think about, man, you guys are fucking phenomenal. I mean, all three of you all are I admire you all. I salute you all. I, I, I'm in awe with how you all have overcome the worst of the worst in, in the home. Domestic violence takes your experiences, take, took it to a whole nother level. And a lot of people would not have survived the traumas that you all have experienced. It's a testament to the compassion and the courage and how you all have said, you know what? Not only am I going to overcome this DV, I'm going to triumph over it. I'm going to teach my children how to be better, how to do better. I'm going to do everything in my power to not replicate my experiences in their lives. I'm going to do everything that I can do as a parent, as a caregiver, as someone who is a survivor or a thriver, whatever term that you like to use for yourself. I'm going to make sure that my children never experience the horrors that I experience. That, to me right there, because everybody doesn't do that. A lot of victims or people that have been victimized repeat that cycle. You all said the buck stops with me. For me, that means everything. This part of the reason why I'm honored to have you all be part of the Trigger One Talk podcast. And as we continue to, to shoot these episodes and create this content, it's about advocacy, it's about awareness, and it's also about the humanity because the humanity that the three of you all have, money can't buy it. There's nobody that I'm more proud of that I can think of right now than the three of you all. I appreciate that. Um, I want you guys to jump into as, as far as responding, but um, getting to the humanity, I think, is really important because I think all of us have um, seeds of resiliency. Now, some of us are able to like grow and thrive on our own, but not everyone can. So I think it's it's really important for us as a society to think beyond just ourselves. I, I was just in Alabama speaking to a sheriff, and that was the big thing that he said is that Everyone is just out for themselves, so not looking out for their fellow person at all. And he sees it, like, in, in spades, in, in a negative way. And so he's trying to reshape the department there and change the culture and everything. But um, I, I think if we can get that message, I think, I know negativity is contagious, but positivity can be too. And so that's like that children's book I wrote. Like, everyone had seeds of resiliency, and if we can put them in the right environment, they can go from surviving to thriving. And so then showing that we could do this, showing others that, you know, uh, hope, not all hope is lost, right? No matter what you've gone through, you could use those as tools to move forward. There are things you learn in poverty that can help you be successful. There are things you learn in the hood that can help you be successful. There are things that we use that we could turn from adversity into tools that help propel us forward. But no, I, I think getting back to humanity is the biggest one overall because, you know, it's not just about us. That's why we're doing the show to, to, to spread it on to others so they can start to replicate it and use it and move forward and and try to pass it forward. So, uh, Claire, I know you want to jump in. I'm sorry. Oh, that's fine. Um, so, as LP was speaking, um, a strong thing came to my mind. Uh, so glad that I hadn't mentioned it first and foremost, but uh, 
my faith in God that has been this huge source of my resilience, my understanding of humanity. I feel like for me, just, you know, the way I live, even the way our mom taught us, uh, I adhere to the word of God to understand how things should go. And in my personal personal life, the more I adhere to the formats that are laid out in, in the scripture, theology, different things, even, even when you study different forms of religion or um, thought processes, they tend to, like, many of them tend to go back to the same thought, the same level of having compassion for others, um, doing unto others as you would have done to yourself, things like that. That has helped me out, uh, just has given me hope, has given me guidance for my life ever since, even while we were in the trauma, we were all together. Um, yeah, there, there's nothing else that compares to that for me um, to help guide me, encourage encourage me to even just live another day. For me, definitely, I, I have to attribute a lot of that to my faith in God. And I know I'm not alone in that, but unfortunately, the world that we live in, it's not always welcome to speak of that, but for me, it's been a huge, huge element. My, my basis for faith is looking at my life now and what I've gone through, and there can be no other explanation. You rule out everything else, what, what, what remains is, is the truth. And But religion, faith, has always been a struggle because... You know, he was an atheist, and mom was very religious, and then looking at what happened. So I, it's been a roller coaster ride for me. I think we can do an entire show just on faith. But um, Ashley, do you have anything to respond to as far as LP? Uh, LP, thank you <laughs> for that statement. You know, it's it's hard to take positive feedback, positive. <laughs> you know, it kind of feels like, being given too much credit, you know, um, but I do really um, appreciate your your perspective and your comments on that. I and and one one thing for me is that I know what we went through was no walk in the park, but I also know that you know some people I can't I I don't like to put a spectrum on trauma because I've seen people that go through something and compared to you know what I what we have gone through um, I try not to brush that off like that's nothing you know um, because to them that may have changed their whole perspective on life you know maybe their their parent got a divorce um at a at a young age and they kind of really got depressed or you know they turned to substance abuse or something like that because of that fact so to them that may have had a 30 40 year outcome of them you know like what albert mentioned just being on the wrong path. So I try my best not to view any worse <laughs> uh, than anybody else's um, because of that. Because there's no, there's no levels. There's no graph that showcases, well, if XYZ happened to you, let's put you in category four, you know, level of trauma or something like that. It's in the eye of the beholder um everybody's everybody's experience might impact them a certain way and it also just depends you know on so so many more elements so for me my level of triumph might be so different than somebody else's for them it may i mean even i have i have so many foster siblings uh that I'm like, they have a roof over their head. Their kids aren't in the system. 
they're working, you know, um, so they're triumphant. <clears throat> Even I have, I have friends that, you know, did 10 years in prison. I have one friend that's, I don't know, maybe going to be in there for a very long time. But because of how they're handling themselves, what they're doing with their current situation, they're still triumphant to me. I mean, even I told you guys I went out to the prison. Some of a lot of those guys I had respect for. I don't know exactly what they did before, how they were before, but at their current state, I respected them as very strong Christians. No, I, I appreciate that you uh, define triumphant that way, and um, and that's where we're headed next. So let's go ahead and run with that. Uh, when I, I I present quite a bit, and so I I kind of get a feel for the audience and their expectations and stuff. So normally after I get through sharing the, my background, um, and I always do it through a pedagogical lens, trying to learn from missed opportunities to intervene and stuff. But um, I get to the point toward the end where I usually close and I. I ask if it's okay if I share my accomplishments. And then everyone's nodding their head and they're like, yeah, yeah, let's hear something positive. And so then I say, I woke up today. And then I wait for that to think in. And some people laugh, some people nod their head. Um, and I say, I'm not on drugs, I'm not homeless, I'm not incarcerated. And then I go to talk about the things I've actually done. Um, but to, that is triumph for what we've gone through. And, and it's not just us, like Ashley said, because everyone's traumatic experience is unique to them. It doesn't really matter what it was. You know, it may have been a divorce when you're a teenager, but you're in your formative years and it just really hits you the wrong way and it, and it puts you on the wrong path. It, it, everyone's experience is unique to them. But for people who go through these traumatic experiences, uh, Larry had mentioned adverse childhood experiences, the ACE score. So like all of us would be perfect 10. But even if you're a three or a four, that may be enough to put you on that wrong path. So triumphant, like you said, Ashley, may just be successful in life. But my biggest triumph, if I could point to anything at all, it would be my kids because they will never ever know the type of background that we went through and we're setting them up for for future so that would be my definition of, of triumph is just pointing to my children um claire do you have a different definition of uh, what triumph looks like i can say i agree with all of you um triumph is definitely being able to move forward to the next thing um without being so encumbered that uh, you can't function in society. Um, so even the, uh, and even like what Ashley mentioned, if you're even being incarcerated, sometimes it takes something like that in order for a spark to be lit up and for someone to, get into the right mindset. You know, sometimes you know, we struggle to get to where we want personally, but overall in life, if you have the mindset to move forward and to um, to be positive in your life and, you know, become a positive contributing citizen, um, I think... Even just having the mindset to move forward uh, and then you know, taking the steps to move forward and be positive in your life, I think that's, that's definitely triumph because uh, there's a whole lot of, there's a whole lot of people who haven't even gotten to that position, you know, um, yeah, a lot of people don't, don't make it, you know, definitely not to the level that we've gotten, um, but even just in their personal lives, just to be able to personally continue on, um, a lot of people haven't made it past that. So uh, if you can, and you know, at least be in the mindset that you want to, you want to move forward from your past and, um, you know, just find some positivity. Well, you know, I got to pass the mic back to you to kind of bring us home with what you think uh, being triumphant is. Unless Ashley wants to add anything else, um, I'm going to pass it back to you. Triumphant is one of those things that I consider a great asset to have, a great tool to have in your toolbox, because you can 
tap into stories like you all have provided. You can look at someone who, like a Barack Obama, or you can look at people who have persevered in some of the the most trying times in their lives and how they became the great people that they are, but not just famous people. Because I think a lot of times we focus on the people that we consider the celebrities or that have the fame or the fortune or the money and, and different things like that. We're just, a, you know, at the end of the day, you're just a person, no matter, you know, if you have status or stature or not, at the end of the day, we're all humans. We have to overcome things in our world. We don't all have the same experiences, and that's okay. Some people have more traumatic experiences than others, but we don't sit in judgment because just like when I used to work uh, in EMS, it didn't matter if I got a call at 2 a.m. to get a splinter out of somebody's finger, and that's, that's a true story. Or it was 2 a.m. and somebody was in full cardiac arrest. I got sued in the lights and sirens to go. Didn't matter what the gender was, didn't matter what their financial portfolio looked like, it didn't matter what or who they prayed to or if they prayed, it, it didn't matter. It, it only thing that mattered was I need to help this person that's hurt, injured, dying, and dead. That's how I helped that person be triumphant because there were situations where I was able to provide a same thing with you, Albert. There were situations where you were able to come in and do what you had to do from a law enforcement perspective to help that person be triumphant in that emergency situation. Same thing with you, Ashley, the work that you're doing with nursing. You know, and Claire, again, my salute to you, my hats off to you, because I know that a lot of these traumas that your family has experienced you bore a lot of the brunt of that. When I look at you and when I listen to you, I just sit there sometimes and I'm just like, you know, statistically speaking, you should be a basket case. You know, statistically speaking, you shouldn't even be here, honestly. Sometimes I want to ask you, like, how do you do it? Like, how do you wake up every single damn day with everything that you went through, you specifically, Claire? and just make life continue to go on. And when you talk about your faith, that's it. You know, everybody doesn't believe in a higher power, and that's okay, you know, whatever works for you. I know that when I think of triumphant, I think about the power of humanity because we all have it within us. It's just who you surround yourself with that can help elevate you, who can help inspire you, who can help you get through whatever that trauma or those traumas that you've experienced. Whether it's some Western medicine, whether it's medication, whether it's some metaphysical modality, whether it's just, hey, you know what? I just need somebody to lean on today. I just need to speak to you. I, I just need to see your face, your face. I just need to hear your voice. I just need your touch. I just need to know that it's not all bad. For me, triumphant means you have to be an encourager. And, and that starts from within. You have to encourage yourself to say, you know what? Today, I woke up on this side of the dirt. That means that I'm still destined to do something or some things. The day I don't wake up on this side of the door, I'm done. I don't have any more worries. I don't have any more concerns. Whatever is left, who's ever left, whatever's going on on this planet, I, I don't have any anything else to contribute to. As long as I can wake up on this side of the door every day for whatever amount of time that I have left on this planet, because... I know my birthday, I don't know which day or which time I'm not going to be here anymore. I want to be as triumphant as possible in every aspect of my life, my personal life, my business life, you know, my the, the life of my family, my relationships, all of those things. I want to be a triumphant person. I want to be able to celebrate me. I don't need fanfare. I don't need accolades. If I get them, great. If I don't get them, 
beautiful. Because you know what? At the end of the day, like I always tell people, at the end of the day, it's just me, Mrs. LP, and the dog. If I got friends, fine. If I got family members, fine. But at the end of the day, it's just me, her, and the dog. And I'm good with that. However, I do have friends. Now, I say I got more relatives than family. And I talked about that the last time when we were, when we uh, did episode four. That's unfortunate. And I want to do more to change that. You all are part of my family now. And I feel like I also am part of your family now. So that is another mark that I can check off of my box when I come up with my list of triumphant things that I've accomplished. I can say, man, you know what? Today I earned a whole nother family. You know, what am I going to earn tomorrow? If I, if I happen to wake up on this side of the dirt and let's say I had a, a checklist of 10 items, I want to be able to draw in some more boxes because again, every time I wake up, I can add more stuff to, to my list. That's what triumphant means to me. You know, sometimes people say oversimplification, they, they don't like that. I like oversimplification. We're not doing a dissertation here. Let's just keep it nice and simple and straightforward. Let's make sure that we let people know that if they're triggered, hey, there's help that's out there. If you have traumas, there's people and places, technology that's available to help you. Whether you're doing EMDR, whether you're doing cognitive behavior, whether you're doing Reiki or yoga or meditation or hypnotherapy or you're laying on somebody's couch for 45 minutes doing the Q&A. There are so many things that are available for all of us to help us become triumphant in our own way. Whatever traumas that you've experienced, you just have to do one thing. Seek help. That's how you become triumphant. You got to seek help because we all go through stuff. All right, so LP, before we close, I just want to add one more thing. Uh, I would never be where I'm at today without the help of others. So that's why getting back to our humanity, that's why I say it's society's um, concern to, to help others, to help water and nurture the resiliency seeds that are in others. Um, I still call my former foster mother slash sister. It was kind of dysfunctional, but it worked for me. Um, there are so many people that have helped me along the way to, to help shield me from the bright sun as I'm, as I'm trying to grow and nourish or keep me out of like the blizzard conditions. Um, it, it's, it's people, people. There have been so many people. I would never be where I'm at. Even today, even with the presentations I do, um, someone set me up with that, um, you know, when I first got started. So, um, again, it's, 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 not, it's not just us. It's not just someone else's problem. It's everyone's problem. And we need to come together to help everyone go from trauma to triumphant. And uh, with that, LP, we're going to go ahead and wrap up this beautiful, beautiful episode number five, Trauma to Triumph. I want to thank you, Albert, Ashley, and Claire. I will say this in closing. No matter what you're going through, there's always somebody available. There's always somebody that's at the other end of the phone, on the other side of the door, that you can reach out to. And don't ever feel like you're totally alone, because when we feel alone and nobody cares, that's the time when Abbott and I have gotten those calls where it's too late. There's nothing we can do for that person. We don't want any more of those situations. And we want this series to be inspirational to anyone who watches it. Whether you have a sibling or not, I have more relatives than I have family. You don't have to have a biological person only to be considered your brother, your sister, your sibling. I love the three of you all just like we all came from the same mom and same dad. I cherish that just like I cherish my own blood brothers and sisters. So I want to thank you all so much. I'm looking forward to part six. And we're going to continue to have these conversations because the bonds that we share are very important. And siblings matter. They really, really, really matter. Really outside of, you know, like I have twins. And so 
they're the closest humans <laughs> to each other. But they have their own struggles and they have their own issues. When I listen to some of the stuff that you all have shared in the previous episodes, even with some of the things that you have disagreed about or maybe one person recalled a situation and the other person didn't or they recalled it differently, it's all about respect. We want these episodes to show that you can have conversations without confrontation, as our friend Loyalty always says. But wait, before we end, we always close out every episode of the Trigger Warning Talk podcast with a missing person case. This case comes from Mrs. LP, our missing person expert and our unsolved true crime detective. She got this story from People Magazine online. I found the video version of the story via KTRK Houston, ABC 13 Eyewitness News about a family of four that left New Orleans about two months ago to move to Houston. They have not been heard from since. Now, this story was posted February 6, 2024. Check it out. Happening right now, a search is intensifying for a family of four, which vanished two months ago. Authorities say the family meant to travel here to Houston from New Orleans back in November, but they never arrived. ABC 13's Liliana Pearson live now this morning with what we have learned so far. Liliana. Good morning. We know that the details in this case are pretty thin right now, but what we're learning from police is that a family of four went missing back in November, and now their family is desperate to find them. Take a look at your screen. This is the family that New Orleans and Houston police are both looking for. And according to New Orleans police, 29-year-old Steyas Yanir David Fuenes and her husband, 31-year-old Ramon Cristano, and their two daughters, 4-year-old Jaslyn and 2-year-old Darla, or excuse me, Dara, were dropped off by a family member at a New Orleans Greyhound station because they were moving to Houston. That family member tells police that they got a text message from the family letting them know that they had arrived here in Houston safely, but then communication stopped. The family member reached out to others living here in the Texas area who said that the family never showed up. Now police are asking the public for help trying to figure out where this family of four is. Anyone with information can reach out to the New Orleans police. The number to call is 504-658-6060. I'm Liliana Pearson, ABC 13 Eyewitness News. Thank you so much. Police said the family members are Hispanic, Latinx. They provided photos of them, but no descriptions. If you have seen the family or have any information, good, bad, or ugly, about the whereabouts of this family, please contact the New Orleans PD. They are urging you to contact the 6th District Detectives at 504-658-6060. Again, if you have any information or seen the family, please contact the New Orleans PD. They're urging you to contact their 6th District Detectives at 504-658-6060. Of course, we will provide a link to this story as we do with every missing person case in the show notes at the bottom of this episode. So that, I'm just going to say, stay tuned for the next episode. LPL.